Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Welcome once again, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. I'm John Manuel, joined today by Matt Eddy. An unusual podcast for us here at Baseball America as we're going to break it down major league style. The regular season finally over after the Game 163. Two years in a row we've had a Game 163 this one for the American League Central Division Championship. White Sox won, Twins nothing. Fantastic game. Bittersweet uh, for those of us who are Nick Blackburn fans. But uh, great season for the Twins. A great ending to the regular season, Matt, as far as drama. Uh, the Twins not getting in. The White Sox beating three different teams on three days in a row to get into the postseason. Uh, so we obviously have White Sox versus Rays and Red Sox versus Angels in the American League. The only real, again, the one that came down to the wire uh, was in the Central. And in the National League, we have the Phillies winning the National League East back-to-back playoff years for the Phillies. And the uh, National League Central producing the wild card with the Cubs winning the division with the best record in the NL. Brewers winning the wild card on a last-day triumph by CeCe Sabathia. The Dodgers edging out the Diamondbacks in the West. And really the big shock, I think, as we go to the playoffs is that both New York teams, uh, Matt, don't make it. And then the Diamondbacks, a team that took a huge step forward with a lot of young players last year, kind of takes a step back this year, even after trading down the stretch for Adam Dunn. If, if there were three teams that, like the Twins not making is no big shock. The two New York teams and the Diamondbacks not making, I think most people thought those teams were going to get in. Yeah, maybe the Mets and Yankees exclusion is uh, maybe some, some karma coming back to get them for the yeah. for the stadium bill <laughs> that the city is footing. I hadn't even thought about that. Um, but, Great take. But, yeah, you know, the the Mets falling apart and going one and two in the final weekend and, and scoring five runs in the process really, you know, let perhaps let some other teams in the league off the hook, like the Diamondbacks, you know, yeah. a team which until Manny Ramirez came to town was the class of the NL West. Yeah, you know? absolutely. And, and then I, and and the Brewers. I mean the Brewers were having a right. September collapse for the ages and then a very bold move I think to fire Ned Yost, go with Dale's fame and then uh, and it worked out for them. Uh I think the the main thing is that they got some big hits from Prince Fielder and Ryan Braun and obviously CC Sabathia was huge. Giovanni Gallardo even comes back and yeah. from his knee injury and uh, makes a start. And down in the, in the season's final week, and uh, uh, and then he'll start game one of their playoff series. Seth McClung had a four-inning scoreless outing. I mean, they were just good enough, just barely better than the Mets. Back-to-back years with these uh, late fades for the Mets. Last year, I think, was really a collapse. This year, they just weren't good enough, I think, especially in the first half with Willie Randolph. Uh, so if you, if you want to look at it as a glass-half-full Mets fan, I think you would just blame it all on Willie. Um, I don't know what the Yankees' excuse is, but $200 million, no playoff series, uh, barely finishing in third place, really. And uh, I think having to watch Johan Santana have the kind of year he had with the Mets, I, I still think if you're the Yankees, you have some serious non-buyer's remorse over uh, you know, not making that trade, not pulling the trigger for Santana when the Mets did. 
You agree. Yeah, and Santana you know, pitching on one knee, as it turns out. He had arthroscopic knee surgery already today. Huh? Yeah, so that? I missed that. he pitched that complete game on one knee. Well, it's the, it's the three <laughs> days rest uh, week in baseball. It was awesome to see John Danks last night do it. It was awesome to see Santana do it. Great to see CC Sabathia keep on doing it. <laughs> Speaking of Sabathia, let's go and uh, talk National League playoffs, Matt. We're going to break down all four series uh, here on the Baseball America podcast. So we'll start off with Milwaukee and Philadelphia, uh, two teams I think are really known for their offense. And uh, this series, I think, uh, I'm going to argue the Brewers' standpoint, but just in general, Matt, this would be a real toss-up series, I think, if Ben Sheets were healthy. Yes. But if if and buts were candy and nuts. I mean, Sheets is never really healthy. And here – uh, quite the contrast between Sheets and Sabathia going into their free agent seasons. Sabathia logs more than 250 innings after throwing 240-plus last year yep. with the Indians. Second year in a row, he leads the team to the playoffs. And Sheets is a very good pitcher, and I'm a huge Ben Sheets guy. But he just doesn't have it. He's got, a, I guess, a tear in his, uh, in his elbow. It's a muscle tear, he said. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he's probably done for the year. And uh, the Brewers' chances without him are much less than they would have been with him. Sure, definitely. And in in the Phillies, you know, it's really more of a pitching-oriented team this year than any Phillies team in that ballpark has been. You know, this is a team that had a better ERA than the Mets, for example, a team that pitches in a spacious ballpark. And you can really see it with uh, Cole Hamels and the resurgent Brett Myers. And an assist from Jamie Moyer and Joe Blanton, you know, a couple. Solid guys. But Brett Myers, that's actually a huge point to bring up. I mean, Brett Myers was awful early. I mean, he was the Jeff Francoeur of pitchers. They sent him down, <laughs> try to clear his head. But with him, it worked. Um, and I, that, that's kind of stunning to me that it worked for Brett Myers. I know this guy was a head case. But I, mean, I think he deserves kudos uh, for that. You got a couple of interesting managers, I think, here to look at. I mean, Charlie Manuel is thought of as a buffoon by so many people. I still think he's not the most sophisticated guy in the world, but he's a pretty good manager. He's kind of from the Grady Little school uh, of managers. And the other thing is that whether it's him or whether it's just the, the pitching coach and, and him working together, I think you have to give the, him credit for the way the Phillies' bullpen has been so consistent all year. It seems like that's where you start in mm. their biggest advantage in this series. Their, their bullpen, best in the National League, but a lot better than Milwaukee's. That's a great point. I, I, I focused on the starting pitching, but it was probably the 7th, 8th, and ninth inning relief help they got all year that pushed them past the other National League competitors. Well, I think when you're comparing them to Milwaukee also, though, their starting pitching is a lot better than Milwaukee's too. Pitching, bo- both halves of it, I think. There's bullpen and their rotation are better. Yeah, in particular, obviously, Brad Lidge, who, as far as we know, is, is the second pitcher to go a season without blowing a save, uh, the first being Eric Gagne, though that could be incorrect. Yeah, for, that, that's <laughs> off the tops of our heads. We haven't looked that one up. But Brad Lidge is, I mean, and, and we both acknowledge also that he struggled a little bit down the stretch but they have uh, a great set of uh, men in front of him. Uh, they, they have more than one. It, it's, they're more than just Brad Lidge, I guess, is the mm-hmm. is a big part of their bullpen. I the, the the other key for their uh, bullpen is they can go right left with you. And I that's the one thing I do like that Milwaukee has done with its bullpen. Again, I'm supposed to take their side uh, in this, and I'm I'm struggling with it already. But they they the, the Phillies do have some pretty key left-handed bats, obviously, in Utley and and, and Ryan Howard. Um, Ryan Howard had a huge September. But he's clearly vulnerable. I mean, 199 strikeouts is 199 strikeouts. He clearly can be pitched to. Mm-hmm. And with Mitch Stetter and Brian Schaus in the bullpen, plus they've got Manny Parra active for this series. Uh, obviously, you have Sabathia going to pitch. If you're the Brewers, you hope only one game. You hope you don't have to go five games. Um, but they're going to be able to attack some of those key left-handed bats. 
always seems to bring me back to the the, the key for the Phillies is Pat Burrell, and he's ailing a little bit uh, as the season uh, right. winds down. Uh, I wonder, I guess, the other key right-handed bat, it seems like, for the Phillies is Jason Worth. Definitely. I've always been a Jason Worth fan. Uh, I, you know, He's toolsier than people give, always gave him credit for. Yeah. I always wonder what would have happened if he'd been left as a catcher. Um, I don't think he produced like this offensively, but he, he seems like he's athletic enough to have, to have given it a whirl back there despite being 6'5", 6'6". But um, I, think the, I think Milwaukee, to win this series, Milwaukee's just going to have to just bludgeon Philadelphia. And even there, Matt, Philadelphia's offense is – very capable of winning a slugfest too, don't you think? Sure, and you know, and when you when you talk about the left on left matchups, the key the key to that is making sure that the other manager won't won't immediately pinch hit. You're yeah. not you're not going to pinch hit for Ryan Howard or Chase Utley, right? You know, I mean, when Greg Dobbs Greg Dobbs comes up, for example, you just bring in Pedro Feliz. Sure, you know, but that that's what the the Brewers carrying those two lefty relievers. You know, it could it could keep them in in the games late anyway. I, w- I wouldn't shock me if the the Brewers you know, they they kind of almost remind me of like the 1999 Red Sox. I'm I'm a Red Sox fan, so I guess that's who they remind me of. But that Red Sox team, it was just such a they, they felt so lucky to be there in the postseason because uh, Pedro got hurt late. And I remember he had that heroic, uh, ridiculous uh, no hit uh, playoff appearance out of the bullpen against the uh, against the Indians. Uh, that team was a really kind of a offense happy Red Sox team, but then. When they got to the LCS against the Yankees, they were just happy to win the one game that Pedro won. I almost feel like the Brewers are going to be just happy to win one game in this series if it's Sabathia. And uh, But I also wonder if I'm the Brewers, if you win that first game, if by chance you happen to win that first game, would you push Sabathia back to the game three just to give him some actual rest? Or do you still throw him game two? Do you, feel, do you think to yourself – you can't win unless you have Sabathia win two and five. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would be telling. It looks like right now they're almost locked into Sabathia's going game two. He's going to pitch game five. He'll pitch games two, five, and probably seven on two days rest. I mean, he may as well. They're just turning him into a much larger version of Sandy Koufax at this point. Um, and in some ways, I don't blame him, but uh, quite a heroic performance by Sabathia down the stretch. To me, the big Achilles heel for Milwaukee is their bullpen, Matt. They're just, yeah. they're just not good enough. Lefties are not. Solomon Torres, Eric Gagne, Guillermo Moda. This is like the crash and burn all stars. Is David Risky in there? David Risky is not uh, on their uh, postseason uh, bullpen. They do have Carlos Villanueva, <laughs> and possibly David Bush could pitch in relief as well. And I've always been a David Bush and relief guy, but uh, I just don't see I just don't see it happening for Milwaukee. Oh, and you, you forgot to mention Guillermo Moda too. Oh yeah, no, him and his uh, magic changeup and his. Uh, I think the other part for the Brewers, I, I really do think the Brewers' inexperience well, is going to work against them. Let's flip it around. I mean, the Phillies are going to be marching on two left-handed starters, and this is a predominantly right-handed Brewers team. And the strength of the Phillies' bullpen, aside from Lidge, is the, the plethora of left-handed options. But who are you going to use the lefties on? Prince Fielder. That's, That's it. That's right. Yeah, you're going to use on That's Prince it. Fielder. To me, the thing that the key there is that the, you know, the Phillies do have lefties with change-ups. I mean, Jamie Moyer and Cole Hamels, their best pitch for each guy is a change-up. And they're both very effective against right-handed hitters. I, I think that especially a guy like a Moyer, a crafty veteran like that versus uh, a, a free-swinging young right-handed lineup like the Brewers, I think that's a toxic mix for the <laughs> Brew Crew. And that's and, and that's not entirely fair to Romero, who's been going inning at a time stretches this year, and he's been pretty effective. He's pretty doggone good. So I, you know, I shouldn't uh, badmouth uh, old JC. I don't. Th- I don't think I took it the wrong way. If I were JC, I, I would not take it that way. But uh, so we both like the Phillies in this series. I'm picking the Phillies in four. 
Phillies in four for you. Phillies in three. Wow, Phillies in three. The Sabathia. And Sabathia could definitely run out of gas as uh, as he did last year. As he did last year, and as uh, you know, I remember Randy Johnson running out of gas when he came on uh, big time earlier in his career, like with the Mariners on short rest in the playoffs, and then again with the Astros. Uh, obviously, he was still up for it uh, with the Diamondbacks, like the fourth or fifth time he did it in 2001. We love we love CC, but he's he's no Iron uh, Iron Man Jack McGinnity. No, he is not. He's a little bit bigger than uh, Iron Man Jack. He's a little bit bigger than pretty much anyone who's ever played the game, which is uh, he's hard to compare. But uh, I also wanted to mention like a 310 ERA in the second half. I looked up for Brett Myers, which is mm-hmm. very impressive. Look at that home run rate. How many did he give this up? Is, well, this is Cole Hamels now. And then Cole Hamels he give, he is susceptible to long ball. Mm-hmm. I guess right-handed hitters, though, Cole Hamels, 215, 261, 356. <laughs> a pronounced reverse split for Cole Hamels. So uh, 616 opponents OPS. Uh, Cole Hamels, uh, I think, tailor-made to attack this Brewers uh, lineup. So, tough matchup for Milwaukee, but kudos to the Brewers for getting there. And I do think they, they deserve credit for making a bold move and, and, and firing uh, Ned Yost. Even if it didn't work, I think it was the right move because they weren't going to make it the way they were going with Ned Yost, and they had to try to make it. So, um, the other matchup in the National League, Dodgers and Cubs. Matt, it sounds like in our pre-show prep, we agree – this is probably the best matchup of the four. Uh, the two Los, the two series involving the Los Angeles teams, are the best of the four postseason series. I think we think. And you, you like this? Uh, why do you like this Cubs Dodgers matchup so much? I, I, well, it, looking at the uh, the strength of the Cubs, you know they just have there's more balance than any NL team. You know the Dodgers pitching is is great. You know, uh, and but aside from Manny Ramirez and you know Casey Blake has those moments. It's, right. it's not. A terribly imposing offense. You know, it's one that could be pitched to. They definitely put it, put it that way. I know that's a good. That's a good way to put it. And the Dodgers, uh, also one of these teams that uh, we've got some of the postseason rosters uh, arrayed about us here. And the, the, the Dodgers have some real. Uh, the, the biggest wild card, or one of the biggest wild cards in the whole postseason to me, uh, Giovanni Gallardo is one we already mentioned. It, but Rafael Furcal <laughs> back for the Dodgers at the end of this. I mean, they were playing no Marge short for part of this year. And Anhal Baroa finished with the most at-bats right. as their shortstop. Which is just crazy and, and frankly, terrible. Um, although he played fairly well for the Dodgers. For him, he had a 300 on base percentage. That's that's good for Anhal Baroa. Uh, but this is not, a like you said, a, an overly offensive team. Really, outside of Andre Ethier, nobody else other than Manny really was consistent for them. I mean, even James Loney had a, you know, a disappointing year, I think, it's fair to say. Uh, you know, uh, Russ Martin slugged under 400. I think it's fair to say that was a disappointing year for them. Uh, they do rest on the pitching. I think in, when, when I'm supposed to take the Dodgers' uh, tack for this and, and support the Dodgers' cause. Uh, for me, uh, the biggest thing the Dodgers have going for them is uh, Frank McCourt's favorites, the ex-Red Sox. Mm. Uh, their owner lo- is a Bostonian. He loves his ex-Red Sox. And I think Derek Lowe has proven, uh, no matter what kind of regular season he has, and he had one of his best ones this year, but Derek Lowe's a big game pitcher. I mean, Miguel Tejada remembers Derek Lowe giving him that uh, obscene gesture in 2003 in the division series. And Derek Lowe was uh, phenomenal for Boston in back-to-back postseasons in 03 and 04. And uh, you know, he has a lot of big game experience. He's not going to be phased. He's clearly still at the top of his game. I enjoyed hearing uh, John Smoltz talk about him today on the Mike and Mike show. That was the only pitcher he pulled out for the Dodgers. And I was sitting there thinking why he would have picked out Derek Lowe, and then I realized they're both Michigan uh, natives. With a, I think I think it's a Michigander. What you call Derek Lowe got the ball for the Dodgers in the first game of the 06 DS too, I believe. So he's he's experienced, even as a as a Doyer. 
But I, I like their postseason pitching. Mm-hmm. I like their bullpen. Uh, they have power arms in their bullpen. Obviously with Broxton. Takashi Saito hasn't really been at his best since he's come back from his injury problems. But uh, to me, the Dodgers are going to win this. They're going to win with starting pitching. Uh, you know, and they don't have Lima time to lean on for this one. <laughs> I, I but they do have Chan Ho Park. <laughs> That's unfortunate <laughs> that they don't have Lima time and they do have Chan Ho. Uh, I would love it if they had Lima, Lima time on, on hand for this event. But uh, for me... Derek Lowe is going to have to win game one for them, and Manny is going to have to be huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other X factor we haven't even mentioned is they do have Joe Torre, and he does have a pretty steady hand, although he's uh, not won a playoff series here in a couple of years either. As mm-hmm. a it, it, it must be pointed out. Um, I, I think offensively the Dodgers are going to have to get something out of for a call because they, they need a spark. They, they need someone other than Ethier or Manny Ramirez to contribute. In a, uh, I'm sure he's not fully healthy. But Rafael Furcal clearly could provide that spark for them more than, say, Baroa or a Blake DeWitt or Casey Blake or Nomar or even Matt Kemp. I, I, I like their chances if Furcal is anywhere close to healthy offensively. And how about the Dodgers carrying three rookies in the bullpen? they got Corey Wade, James McDonald, and Uber prospect Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, and I guess Kershaw's not going to start. Uh, they're not going to bring <laughs> – well, they've got Lowe and they've got Billingsley and they've got Hiroki Kuroda. And Greg Maddox also made their, made their playoff roster. He's not going to come out of the bullpen. It would be awesome if he did, but uh, it's not going to happen. Blowing 83. His 83 would play up to 86 out of the bullpen, I think. Um, but so Kershaw, will they use him as a lefty specialist? Is he a long man? Is he just kind of along for the ride? He threw 100 innings in the big leagues. He's thrown a lot of innings this year. Hmm. I'm a little surprised that he's along when they didn't have him as a starter, but uh, we'll see how Clayton – would they really use Clayton Kershaw in back-to-back games out of their bullpen? Well, their only other left-handed reliever is Joe Bimel, who th- this postseason didn't, uh, quote-unquote, cut his hand on a piece of glass and miss the postseason. So <laughs> nice. they do They do have Joe Bimel this year, the, your classic left-on-left reliever. That's deep Joe Bimel. That's a deep Joe Bimel cut. Uh, I, 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 I like the Dodgers. I'm impressed they made the postseason, especially considering the way they started. Um, I do think it is somewhat of a testament to Torrey that he didn't lose this team and that uh, they were actually able to – Blend in Manny Ramirez, but I think it's easy to blend him in when he's slugging 743. <laughs> so, Ridiculous. Um, on the Cubs, as you mentioned, they're just so much more balanced than any of the other teams in the National League. I mean, they've got a guy in Mike Fontenot who had a fantastic offensive season on their bench with really no defined role. Uh, they've got power on the bench. They've got speed on the bench. They've got some versatility. Um, really, it seems like the only question for them, Matt, is the health of Zambrano, and they might not even need Zambrano to win this series. What, how, what's the, what do you think, if you had to pick one strength for the Cubs, would, you, would it be? Uh, the bullpen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Kerry Wood, Carlos Marmol, uh, Bob Howery had an off year, but he's still, I'd still, still a heck him. of a reliever. I'd still trust him. Uh, you yeah. got Jason Marquis in the bullpen. He had a good year. And we haven't even mentioned the shark, Jeff Savarno. No, we haven't. I mean, when you just look at the names of the relievers the Cubs left off, I know Chad Godin struggled. I know Kevin Hart struggled. But Godin's got that sick sinker and, yep. and Hart, that awesome slider. They didn't make it. Michael Wartz didn't make it. Probably the best reliever a year ago. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And then in the and also, I mean, on the offensive side, they left off PCL uh, All Star uh, Micah Hoffpower. And, and who who also played well for them. Played well last uh, last week, week and a half of the season. I mean, the only guy on their team with no power at all is Ryan Terrio. Everyone else they play can drive the ball. Mm. I guess to a lesser extent, you could you could throw Reed Johnson into that kind of lack of power mix or lesser power. But uh, I, this team can hurt you in so many different ways. Offensively, they're versatile. Um, I love Lou Pinella as a postseason manager. 
Um, I just think that he's got a steady hand for that kind of thing. He knows he knows what he wants. He may be uh, consistent almost to a fault, but I think the players kind of could use that kind of consistency out of a manager this time of year and knowing what the roles are going to be. I think he has complete control of that team. They have utter confidence in him. All those kind of intangibles that a manager brings, I think he brings those things. Uh, the only question I guess I have for them is they are really right-handed. Right. And the, the Dodgers do have uh, you know all these power righties, both in the rotation and out of the bullpen. Uh, I think it will help uh, a guy like, to have a guy like James McDonald, Chan Ho Park. Those guys actually probably will. Uh, if the Dodgers are going to win, those guys might have to have some, some highly leveraged situations where they pitch well. Um, but the, the the flaw in that thinking is that these are all sluggers for the Cubs, and they're really not. I mean, Derek Lee and Aramis Ramirez, those guys do hit for power, but they're just good hitters. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not just one-dimensional sluggers. Uh, Soriano is the only one who's really a one-dimensional slugger, and frankly, he has plenty of playoff experience, and I just I wouldn't worry about him. He is what he is. Uh, you can make him look awful on one pitch, and he's going to hit the ball 500 feet the next pitch. So uh, to me, uh, the Cubs are the best team in the National League. I know it's been 99 years, as Josh Leventhal points out. Technically, it's been 99 years since they won a World Series. Uh, this is the 100th year. But, but it's uh, been 100 postseasons, hasn't right, it? Right, this is the 100th postseason, I guess. But I, I I like the Cubs' chances. I do think the Dodgers are the worst matchup for them. Uh, so I could see the Dodgers beating them. I, I'm picking the Cubs to win this in five games. Yeah, uh, Cubs in five. Sounds good. I think it sounds good to me, and I guess the little f- the trivia out of this is that uh, Neil Kotz could win uh, – be the first player ever to win a World Series with both wow. the Cubs and the White Sox. Wow, <laughs> that's a that that's a crazy little amount of trivia. So uh, I don't know how that happens. I don't know how Neil Cotts is the random player out of the universe picked for that. But uh, it, it, I could see the Cubs winning the whole thing. It would be crazy if they won the whole thing, but uh, it would be. It really would be because that would leave what the Indians as the next team to go the longest between championships. It would, I believe, the Indians and then the Giants. The Giants yeah. uh, among teams that have. Are not are post expansion. You just still have, of course, like the Astros have never won a World Series. Mariners, Rangers. Mariners have never been to it. Yeah, the Mariners never. That's right. They never won a pennant. Yeah, at least I mean, have the Rangers. The Rangers have, have they won a playoff series in their history? I don't think so. I don't think so either. That's uh, uh, it's, uh I guess uh, I'm not even sure how to put that, but chew on that, Jamie Newber. <laughs> we'll put it that way. That would be difficult to envision. But they, the Rangers, do have a fine farm system, so they they've do. got that going for them. They do. Uh, let's move on to the American League playoffs, shall we? Some sh- shuffling of paper here on the Baseball American podcast. I'm John. He's Matt. Um, which one do you want to start off with? The good guys, the White Sox, well, we gotta start and Rays, or Red Sox, Angels? We got to start with the uh, Angels, Red Sox part, uh, Trace. That's right. Th- these two teams, uh, they matched up last year, uh, much to the Angels' chagrin. And they matched up in 2004. So it's been good for the Red Sox. The two times they've won World Series, they've played the Angels in the postseason. But the, the Red Sox right now are a little bit more banged up, I think, than really any other team in the playoffs except for maybe the Brewers because they don't have sheets. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Boston knows what it's going to get out of Mike Lowell or J.D. Drew. Uh, and then Josh Beckett is the huge X factor because he's been so good in his postseason career. And we saw last year when the Red Sox were down in the uh, series against the Indians how good he was in the division in the championship series, the LCS. And they really didn't need him. You know, they just steamrolled the Rockies. But uh, – I, I think the Red Sox, at full strength, are probably a better team than the Angels, but they're not at full strength. So they're going to have to get some superlative performances, I think, out of uh, other players other than the guys they usually rely on. And, and plus it's Jason Bay's first postseason ex- experience. I mean, this is a guy who's been in the major leagues for five or six years. Not uh, a great point. Five years. 
it, it's it's a different. This will be the first test. And Jason Bay has certainly performed uh, with Boston. Two ninety three, three seventy five, twenty seven, nine home runs. Struck out a little bit, but uh, when when that trade happened, people thought the 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 critics of that trade said this will really hurt Boston in the playoffs without Manny Ramirez, where he always gives you good at bats. Last year, especially, Manny was as locked in as he probably ever has been in the postseason. He was just tremendous in the playoffs last year uh, in terms of the quality of his at-bats. And it is different, Ortiz and Manny back-to-back, and now you don't have that. That said, I'd actually make a case that Kevin Euclid, in my mind, could be the American League MVP over uh, Pedroia. I don't quite get the Pedroia love in the American League MVP. He had a great year. Euclid significantly out-hit him. I know that a first base is a really offensive position, Who's the first baseman in the American League who had a better year than Euclid? He had a better year than, than Morneau had. Mm-hmm. Morneau stumbled down the stretch. I uh, only drove in four more runs than Euclid. If you count to share his entire body of work, is he in the equation? He is, Oh, absolutely. No, he is. He's a better player. I'd rather have Mark Teixeira. And from year to year, I'd rather have Justin Morneau. But Kevin Euclid had a phenomenal year this year. Uh, you know, 312, 390, uh, I, I think that he's not the feared hitter that Manny Ramirez is. He's t- he's easier to pitch to than Manny Ramirez is, but, damn, he's still good. I, I think people just still undersell the guy. So uh, I still think Boston's offense is not going to suffer from from its lack of Manny Ramirez. Um, and and I, I do think Boston the, – the bigger issue for them is uh, I think they'll suffer from not having a full-strength J.D. Drew and Mike Lowell. With those two guys, if those guys are not at their best, the back half of that lineup looks a little bit – uh, lesser. And under that scenario, does Lowry move to third and Cora to short? Is that what happens? Um, that's that? possible. Or uh, you can also play, as Boston has a lot of times this year, Sean Casey at first and Euclid at third. Okay. Uh, Euclid's played 30-plus games at third base this year. So, um, you know, Pedroia's had a fantastic year where he's leading off or hitting second. He's a force to be reckoned with. Ortiz, Euclid, um, you know, Jacoby Ellsbury uh, led the American League in steals and can be effective. All they had about a 319 on base percentage as a leadoff hitter this year. Uh, I, do, I still think Boston's offense is good, but if Lowell, again, if Lowell and Drew are not healthy, and Lowell's hip especially, I think, is a big issue for him, especially fielding. It didn't sound like it would hurt him as much at the plate as it would in the field, but Drew with a very bulky back. Um, you know, if you have to take J.D. Drew out and you replace him with Crisp or with Mark Kotze, you're really taking a, a huge step down in power. I'm not sure what when you the cumulative effect might really, uh, I think, hurt Boston. I think if Boston's going to win this series, they're going to win it with starting pitching. John Lester, Daisuke Matsuzaka, and if uh, Beckett is healthy, uh, a healthy Josh Beckett. But to me, uh, Boston has an advantage uh, you know, in starting pitching uh, compared to the Angels. As good as the Angels starting pitching is, I would take Boston's over Los Angeles. But the, the Angels, though, uh, I, I, these are also, in my mind, Matt, two of the best managers in baseball. Frank Cohn and Sochi, in fact, I'd say they're probably the two best managers in baseball for me if I had to choose a, a manager for my team these were the first two guys I would call but the Angels just seem that like they're so well built for playoff baseball right-handed bats left-handed bats starting pitching bullpen speed defense what's their weakness in your mind or do they not really have one well you, you talked about the, the Boston lineup being a bit three-headed you know yeah. three big bats I mean the Angels are really two-headed in a lot of ways with Vlad Guerrero and Mark Teixeira. Yeah, you're right. You know, and so getting Teixeira is just that much more crucial for them. You know, a lot of these guys are nice complementary hitters, you know, Howie Kendrick, uh, yeah. Eric Ibar, Garrett Anderson, 
Honestly, I didn't realize just how underwhelming some of their seasons were. So, you, you know. The like, Tory Hunter had a good year, I guess. Okay, Tory Hunter. We're leaving Tory, 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 Tory out. So, oh, there's a 112 Ops Plus. But, uh, no, they, they needed Mark to share probably as much as any team needed to make that deal. And he had such an impact with them. Uh, apparently, the food at Scott Boris's guest house agrees with Mark to share. Uh, uh, you know, 13 home runs and 14 doubles in 54 games. Uh, yeah. Uh, playing out of a uh, as a guest house. I just love that. He said so he was a <laughs> guest house. I'm sorry. I think it's hilarious. So, the, so that that pitching depth will really be put to the test for the Angels. You know, they're going to have to pitch well to win. I think. No, I think you're right. And then, and and, and, and they're probably up to the task because John Lackey, a proven ace. Love John Lackey. Joe okay. Saunders and Irvin Santana, huge steps forward this year. And, that, and then Jared Weaver's your fourth. So, I mean, that tells you. Yeah, and John Garland's your five. I mean, a couple John years ago, John Garland was like an ace for the for the White Sox, or one of their four co-aces, however you want to put it. And he's very steady. I mean, he's a ground ball guy and, uh, you know, usually league average this year, quite a, a decent amount below average, actually. Uh, but I, I wouldn't hesitate to throw him out there for playoff start. Uh, if that's your fifth starter, uh, that's pretty good. Did you want to wax poetic about Scott Shields? or? I could. Uh, I do love Scott Shields. Be a cover boy, Scott Shields. Um, to me, the, I guess the best thing about their bullpen is just the, the variety, they again, that they offer to you. Um, they can go with Scott Shields. Darren Oliver is a nice lefty out of the bullpen. They, Jose Ardondo won 10 games out of their bullpen. Had a scout just rave about Jose Ardondo the other day. Um, another middle relief option, Kevin Jepsen, was great in the Olympics. Talked to a scout up there who loved him, just the movement he gets on a low 90s two-seamer. And you should note that they went with Jepsen, a double-A reliever, essentially, in favor instead of Justin Spire. You know, Mr. Justin, Mr. 80% sliders is a Spire. That's right. And <laughs> that just tells you the Angels. Mike Socia, to me, has such a philosophy. He doesn't deviate from it. Everyone on that team believes in it. You see Joe Madden having brought some of that mentality to uh, Tampa, I think is a huge part of their success. But Mike Socia's stamp is just so all over this team in every way. And one of those ways is we're going to shorten the game and we're going to obliterate you in the bullpen with power arms. And I think it's 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 amazing that in retrospect they won with uh, oh uh, Brandon Donnelly and then who was the other Joker who had the crazy hand pump? The, the, yeah. Oh, was it, it's not Matt Wise? Was it Matt Wise? No, it wasn't Matt Wise. It was. Uh, it's killing me that I can't remember this now. Ben something or other. Ben Weber. Ben Weber. There I you mean, go. I mean, those are their middle relievers they won with. But, but K. Rob was their setup guy back then. And Percival. And Percival was the closer. So I mean. Uh, K-Rod, obviously the rookie, I mean, the, the record with the 62 saves and 69 games finished and 76 games. I mean, yeah, whoop de doo They have so many other effective bullpen arms. Uh, you just can't be trailing this team after six innings because after that, Mike Social will use the bullpen and he will shut the door And on they you. can get one run. That's right. One cushion run at any time. You know? And that's the thing. The scout I talked to the other day who does big league coverage, uh, talked to a couple guys actually trying to do some help our rookie list. And he just said this team is built to win one and two run games. They're built to win three two, three one, four two, five four. That's how they're made. That's how they're built. That's how their mentality is. When they have a one run lead, they play like it's a five run lead. They never panic. They always make the defensive play. And uh, otherwise, Jeff Mathis would not be one of their catchers. Otherwise, uh, like he said, they would not be able to really get to the playoffs with a bunch of guys who are league a- league average or below in their lineup. Uh, very aggressive. Uh, a lot of uh, big hacks, but decent contact. And then, of course, like you said, the two real boppers in the middle of the lineup uh, with Guerrero, to a lesser extent, Hunter, and then Mark Teixeira. But, boy, Mark Teixeira makes a, all the difference in the world. To me, if Boston, again, if, if Lowell and, and Drew are healthy, Boston's a better team. I'd pick Boston to win the series. Otherwise, but as it is, I don't think they're full strength. 
I'm picking the Angels to win this series, a thrilling series in five games. Uh, Angels in four. Every every time you say five, it never goes five. I'll say four. You're right about that, but I'm saying it anyway. <laughs> and uh, we'll wrap up the podcast with the good guys, the White Sox. If you can't tell, we're we're Hawk fans. Not really, but uh, well, my dad loves the Hawk. He is entertaining. He is entertaining. Um, but you get the Hawk and the White Sox versus the Rays. I guess, first off, we should note just what a great story it is for the Rays to make the postseason. Let's just get that out of the way. Um, it's amazing that the Tampa not only is in the playoffs, but won 97 games this year. That's just – Where do you start? It, well, I guess you start with the starting pitching. And then you start with James Shields getting the game one start for them, which is impressive. I do think – we already mentioned Joe Madden. I think Joe Madden deserves a lot of the credit here. I mean, mm-hmm. I know Andrew Friedman made some nice tweaks to their roster, and the organization has developed a lot of these players. But uh, to me, the, you know, the, the trade they made with the Twins – uh, and, and trading away both Elijah Dukes and Delman Young helped their karma. And and um, the overlooked Dan Wheeler trade from last trading deadline. That was huge because Ty Wigginton's actually a good player mm-hmm. uh, and had a nice year for Houston this year. But Dan Wheeler was crucial. He's their eighth inning guy. He's their eighth inning guy. What, he had 13 saves when Percival went down. It was seamless. Uh, but, like, picking up Grant Balfour. So I think there's right. a little misconception. I think sometimes people think of the Rays as kind of like the American League version of the Brewers as far as a team that was just built 100% through scouting and player development, had a lot of high draft picks and hit on them all, and they all worked out. That's really not what they are. Um, they'll have a couple first-round picks on their playoff roster because David Price is going to be on the roster, it looks like. They haven't officially released their roster, but it looks like Price will be on it in their bullpen. And obviously B.J. Upton. But let's go around the horn with the blue, with the Rays. Carlos Pena is a reclamation project. Aki Uemura is basically a free agent from Japan. Mm-hmm. Jason Bartlett, part of a, that shrewd trade with the Twins, which I think actually helped both teams. Uh, third base, Evan Longoria, a first-round pick, who clearly has a, a pick to click. Oh, yeah. Now <laughs> um, uh, Carl Crawford was a second-round pick, but a high draft pick, and he's coming back. Uh, I think that even though he had a below-average year, he'll help them. Uh, B.J. Upton, one of their high draft picks. But then in right field, uh, you know, it's not one of their high draft picks. Again, I guess they could go with Rocco Baldelli there. Gabe Gross. Uh, but Gabe Gross with a trade. Baldelli, really, I wouldn't say that his career has worked out, as anyone expected. Donnie Navarro behind the plate, trade, the guy they were trying to give away last year, trying to do anything to replace. He had a great year for them. And their pitching staff, James Shields is not a high draft pick. I see no sign of Dewan Bradleton here. You know, <laughs> it's Casimir, one of the best trades ever. Shields, homegrown, but uh, homegrown, but not a high draft pick. Garza, trade. Sonnenstein, a low draft pick. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the bullpen, like you said, it's a free agent, Percival, trade, Wheeler. A shrewd trade actually, for J.P. Howell. Great trade for J.P. Howell, you're right. Although Wheeler was an original Ray. Uh, J.C. draft, but then he wandered through his career with the Mets and the Astros, Astros. a couple other teams, I believe, and then he came back to Tampa. Um, but Grant Balfour, scrap heap, uh, you know, unwanted by the Twins and the Reds, I believe. Brewers. Um, Brewers, thank you. He was you. traded for Seth McClung, who we talked about earlier. So I forgot. Small world. Mr. Transaction over here. <laughs> that is awesome. I, I, what a great trade for Tampa. Holy cow. Holy cow. Um, but Tampa... To me, uh, it's not, it's, uh, they're, they're here, and I know that a lot of people thought they were going to make a, a quantum leap this year. I think I, I thought they could win 75, 80 games. And I know that, the, uh, I guess, baseball prospectus picked them to win 85 games. No one picked them to win 97 games. And if you did, you thought they were going to win that because B.J. Epton was going to have a big year or Carl, Carl, Carl Croft would have a big year or uh, uh, that their pitchers. Or Casimir would have had a big year. Or Casimir would have a big year. He didn't have a big year. But he didn't. The guys who did it are Simon Stein and. Edwin Jackson until September. Uh, 
a lot of other guys, and then they're just I think their defense is being so good. So uh, they're they're quite the contrast. They're kind of like the Twins, and that they're a pitching and defense kind of team. Only they just pitch better than the Twins, and they defend as well or better than the Twins. And I think especially in the infield, they defend better. That's a fair comp. Yeah, and we can't neglect to mention. Well, I can't anyway. Cliff Floyd. Oh yeah, the DH, absolutely. You know, one uh, of, great veteran presence. It's one of my favorite players. All time. A, a cheese fave. ball. He is a personal cheese ball. There's no doubt about that. Um, not a whole lot of personal cheese balls for me on and, the White Sox. And well, Cliff Floyd is playing is from the Chicago area. And that's right. And that, that that segues us right to the good guys. That is that, that's a that's a perfect segue. He is from the Chicago land area. And uh, I guess my big question for the White Sox, Matt, is what do they have anything left? Burley, Danks, Floyd, and Vasquez have all gone on three days rest. Um, I can't imagine they're going to give Clayton Richard a start. They do get this extra day off, I guess, right here. But do they have enough pitching left, uh, starting pitching left, or do they, you think they're going to be on fumes uh, in the postseason? They do have some players with experience from that World Series team a couple of years back, uh, specifically Burley, uh, Jermaine Dye, Pauly. <laughs> AJ, <laughs> I can't stop once I start. Um, JD, that's right. Um, um, and I guess other question for them too is: Do they get Carlos Quentin back? Uh, that's we'll true. S- we'll see if they put him on the roster from his broken wrist. He is uh, the ultimate X factor. He's a pretty big X factor. They clearly have enough offense without him, but boy, mm. Carlos Quentin versus Dwayne Wise. That's a, that's a no contest. That's a no low contendere there. Um, <laughs> you, you talk about the short rest of, of the rotation, but who do you give the ball to out of the bullpen? Their only reliable guys down the stretch have been Jenks and Thornton. You know, I love Matt Thornton. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's he's pretty good. Linebring pitched a scoreless inning the other day, but he and Dotel certainly have fallen short in the second half. As the Hawks said, our bullpen hasn't been as good <laughs> down the stretch. We used to be able to shorten games of seven innings, uh, but we can't do that anymore. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I can't, I can't stop. Um, but I think these two teams are contrasting teams. I mean, the, the White Sox lack of athleticism is pretty startling when yeah. you have Junior out there in center field. Obviously, he made the accurate, if not very strong, throw to throw out Kadir the other night in the playoff game. But they take a quantum leap in athleticism when they have Anderson and/or Wise out there. Uh, they don't seem to like Orlando Cabrera, but they are very athletic with Cabrera and Alexi Ramirez. Um, but their corner de- infield defense isn't that great. And they miss Joe Creedy. Um, they're certainly not at full strength. They really kind of staggered to the finish until winning those last three games. So for me, I think this is a clear the, – the Rays have the clear advantage here, even though they really don't have any playoff experience. And they're so good at home, too. You, 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 Great point. That, them having the best record in the AL is huge, more so for them than any other team, in my opinion. I agree. No, out of these Because teams, teams just aren't used to playing on turf. Even, even It's not AstroTurf like we knew it in the 80s. You're right. But it's still a different – Environment. Well, just look at what the White Sox just did last week in Minnesota in a similar environment. They got swept. Yeah. And the home field advantage, I think, meant everything uh, last night for the White Sox uh, with their blackout and yada yada and all that mess. But uh, I do think the Rays are the better team and they've proven to be the better team overall. It's really going to come down to, for the White Sox, can their power bats uh, prevail? 235 home runs mm. is amazing uh, for the White Sox. That's just uh, and, the, and this year, they, they clearly outdistance everybody else in the, in the American League in home runs. I, I think they're going to be out of gas. I don't think that John Danks, Gavin Floyd, uh, and Javier Vasquez are going to be enough. I think Burley could win them a game. I don't see it uh, going past four games. I'm, t- I'm picking Tampa in this series. Yeah, Tampa in three. It, it, and we probably should give credit to two of the more shrewd trades. You talk about the Rays trades. How about getting reclamation projects like Gavin Floyd and, and, a, and an up-and-comer, up-and-coming left-hander who the Rangers appear not to want so much in John Danks. 
I can't uh, I can't disagree with you. Uh, I'm not a big Billy, uh, I mean, Kenny Williams guy, but Jim Callis points out many times in SBA that Kenny Williams has made some great trades. And boy, I really, I, I think I did on a podcast, I mocked the Gavin Floyd acquisition. Right. And Gavin Floyd uh, has been phenomenal uh, for that team. 17 wins this year, 200-plus innings. He was very good the last game of the regular season for them. He's durable. Uh, he is. He has turned into what the number four overall pick in a draft should be. And uh, but the Phillies uh, certainly wish he was doing it in their rotation, but it just didn't work out for them for for him in Philadelphia. And you mentioned the Rangers. How would the Rangers' rotation look uh, if they had Edison Volquez? I know they got re- return on him with Josh Hamilton, but Edison Volquez, Chris Young, John Danks, all guys they gave up. Uh, Aaron Harang from many moons ago. Wow, but yeah, it's not I fair to count him, but uh, I hadn't even thought about all, all the Aaron Harang, who was not very good this year, but <laughs> we'll blame that on Johnny B. Baker. But uh, yeah, I think the Whites, I think that the Rangers can develop some pitching. They just can't. They know how to take the reservation. They just don't know how to hold it. <laughs> Javier so. Vasquez at the time we mocked them for trading Chris Young, but I mean it's it's fair to argue which side has gotten the better of that trade. It is. It is fair to argue, and uh, Javier Vasquez is a and a fourth starter, but he's a pretty good fourth starter. Uh, he's, I mean, 200 strikeouts this year. It's hard to argue with that. So he's not a big game pitcher as Ozzy Guillen. I can't do my Ozzy Guillen impersonation for public consumption, Juno. But uh, he certainly doesn't like. He's not like Javi Vasquez in big games. But I think he's gonna have to pick him. So we're picking. Uh, we picked all the same. I think. You think we so? did. That was not the goal. But yeah, we didn't state our picks <laughs> coming in. But we both picked the Phillies. So we both picked Philadelphia versus Chicago uh-huh. in the National League. Who do you like in that championship series? I got to go with the Cubs. You know, I'm going to go with Philadelphia in that. Uh, I just have a little feeling about the Phillies. Uh, a feeling with a PH <laughs> for the Phillies. Um, I love their bullpen. I think that's the big key for me is I love their bullpen. It's just something's going to go wrong it's, for the it's Cubs. It's a great thing when a bullpen comes together. I mean, it can really push you far in the playoffs, you know. Absolutely. It's one of the one of the factors that most good playoff teams have in common. And the other thing is uh, they can beat you with speed. The Shane Victorinos and Jimmy Rollins of the no world. Doubt. And uh, they're not just reliant on the power, but well, I would hate to have to face Chase Utley or Ryan Howard or Ryan Howard or Ryan Howard, as Art from Philadelphia calls us every week. Uh, right now, I I would not have to face those guys with my season on the line. Those guys are just too good. Right now, Ryan Howard is just too good. Uh, American League Angels Rays. You can't see the Rays getting the World Series this year, can you? I don't. I don't think the pupil beats the master. <laughs> I don't think Joe Madden, funky glasses and all, beats uh, Mike Sosha this year. You're probably right. I, I, but, I, but I'm I'm bound to pick the opposite team because that's good. That's a good idea. I take the Rays. I'm I'm, p- so I'm picking an Angels Phillies World Series. Cubs and, Rays. And, and you're picking Cubs Rays. I think the Angels taking the whole thing home this year. And as much as everyone's talking, including us, about CC Sabathia and his contract drive and what he's done to help himself. Mark Teixeira is going to make himself an awful I lot know. of money. Exactly. He's already done it with the way he performed with the Angels, and he's going to do it in the postseason, and that guy is going to get paid this offseason. He's a switch-hitting, gold-glove, power first baseman. He's basically the mold. Who hits, who hits, who hits for average. For average, makes contact. And it's a good guy. Uh, he's going to break the bank. Uh, he is really like the perfect, other than being A-Rod and being a left side of the infield right. player, He's the next best thing to that for a free agent. I think he'll get $200 million uh, this offseason from some team, and it might just be the Angels. So uh, I think he helps lead the Angels to the promised land and then becomes the first Boris client to actually re-sign with that team uh, after being traded uh, uh, in many in many years. Uh, he'll be a better Boris client contract than, say, Andrew Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I'll throw that out there. I'll throw that out in the mix. 
Uh, Matt, before we go, and it's been a long podcast, do you want to talk at all about our top 20 rookies or no? That's a whole separate podcast. That's a whole separate podcast with another show. We'll just say uh, uh, there were several of our top 20 rookies on the field in game 163, at least three. And I think it was a solid rookie class, but not a great rookie class right. in Major League Baseball this year. And, uh, and we're seeing that universally at, at all levels of baseball. It's not – the minor leagues are just not as deep right now. I'd say so. This was a little bit of a down year. Uh, could come back next year. But the, the 2005 right. draft was so good, that's what fueled 06, 07. Now a lot of those guys are in the big leagues. And 08, a little dip. I think a little natural talent dip. But the, the, that wave of talent that came through in the 2005 draft is – uh, and to a lesser extent, the 06, the top half of the 06 draft, especially the pitching-wise with the uh, Tim Lincecum, Jabba Chamberlain, some of those arms, and then Evan Longoria, all those guys already graduated out of the, out of the minor league. So, uh, uh, yeah, and, and some of those guys not even rookies anymore, like Lincecum, uh, uh basically going to be Cy Young in his second year, third full season in pro ball, going to win the National League Cy Young Award. So, uh, great stuff. Enjoy talking it. Losing my voice already about the <laughs> postseason, and we'll watch it all. Uh, over the next couple of weeks. So thanks for the download. For Matt Eddy, I'm John Manuel. We'll talk to you next time on the Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody.